wanted to talk to you today about um, the finality of Christ's work. And, and uh, l- let, me, let me start. Here, the good contrast is this, is, is that, you know, for example, we're commanded to love God with all of our, what, help me, heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We're commanded to love Him with all of our being above everything else and today that, you know, many of you have walked, some of us have walked with Christ for 20 years. Some have walked with Christ for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, I don't know, maybe some here more than that. But I would like to ask you today, you've known the command since you were a child, many of you. How are you doing with that? You, you're loving Christ with all of you and with all of your being and, 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 and more than anything else in this world, in this life. It, it's, that's kind of tough, isn't it? Well, um, we're also taught in the scriptures that we're supposed to be working out our salvation. You know, we're supposed to be working it out. And, and um, I tell you, there's things in the scriptures that, that if we're not careful, we'll, we'll allow them to confuse us because um, maybe we're not all that sure about what Christ has already done for us and what we have to do yet. All right, so that's where we're going to be today. That was maybe the worst introduction I've ever given. I apologize. I, I'll, let me see if we can make this a little better as we go here uh, with the Lord's help. So... Um, but here's the deal. Here, here's what it comes down. Here's what I'm trying to drive at this morning in the introduction here is that we get frustrated with our progress as Christians. Yeah? You, you ever been there? Well, if you haven't, you're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> that's kind of a joke because that's the opposite of what I'm going to say today. But anyway, um, if you've, you, we all get frustrated with our progress as Christians, right? Who of us here, who of us maybe hasn't, who of us here has, has struggled with sin so much and maybe the same sin over and over again that we just start to think, Lord, I am apparently the broken one of all of your creation because I can't do this. I can't stop this sin. I can't stop this fear. I can't stop this obsessing, whatever it is. I, I can't stop this sin that I am always seem to be committing. And so, Lord, I guess I'm just a lost cause. I'm a hopeless case. Um, how many of us have? Uh, is, uh, how many of us have have had fears in our lives? We just can't seem to overcome. They just sometimes seem to overwhelm us in our lives to the point that we just don't seem like we can we can get over them, or that we think that we will be overcome by our fears instead of us overcoming our fears. Um, or how many of us um, feel like that we're all the time that we're having to strive and to, to do things to make up for our life of sin. Like, like I've got to earn God's favor. Like I've got to do this thing. I've got to be in church. I've got to, I've got to give money. I've, I, you know, I haven't been in church, but I've got to get in there. Um, I was just talking with my kids. We know someone who, um, who every time that they get sick or, or feel like there's something wrong, they're always afraid that they're, gonna, they're, they're seriously ill. And they start saying things like, well, man, I've got to get back in church. I've just got to get back in church. And and it's kind of sad, but it's a little bit funny, isn't it? It's like, you know, if I just get back in church, then I'll earn God's favor, and maybe he'll heal me of this thing, and I won't die from it. Um, Let me tell you another thing here. Brenda's not in here today, so I can speak freely about her. (laughs) Not really. It's just a little joke. Many years ago, many, many years ago, that makes it better, many years ago, uh, we had on our checks, I can't even remember what it said, but we had something on our checks that said something about God or God blesses us or our God blessed home. I can't remember what it is. But Brenda was telling me that she was, uh, she was actually, we had to order more checks and she was going to get our check thing changed or something, but she didn't want to take that off because she was afraid that we would somehow lose God's favor on our finances. Isn't that funny? Isn't that kind of funny? Years and years ago, I should say last week, not really, it was a long time ago. Long time ago. Um, but here's the deal spiritual change, our spiritual growth is 
hard. And I don't know where you grew up and places, but I think it's pretty, um, uh, pretty epidemic that people maybe weren't told how difficult Christianity is when they came into it. Your spiritual growth and change is hard, and it comes uh, over a long, long, long time, doesn't it? Yeah. To overcome sin, most of us didn't wake up like we fell off of the potato truck and then all of a sudden, well, I've overcome that sin today. God works that way in some people, and, 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 and I know he does. You know, you've heard the, the miraculous stories of people who have been addicts of, or, of some kind or other, and then one day they came to Christ and they had no addiction problem anymore. I know that happens, but typically speaking, let me say, your struggle with sin is a lifelong struggle, Okay? Your struggle with your sanctification and your holiness, that's a lifelong struggle. It is. And anyone who says any different is not telling you the truth. They're probably asking for money, right, through the television, I would guess. But anyway, um, it's a lifelong struggle. Um, and so here's the hard part is that we're told in the scriptures we're supposed to do things, right? We're like uh, every time that Paul addresses one of his letters, he always starts with saying, look at the, the grace of the gospel, look at the mercy, and look at what God's done in, 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 because of his love for you. And he always ends his letters with, therefore, watch how you treat your wives, watch how you treat your children, watch how you treat your husband, watch how you treat your work. Uh, be careful what you do with, you know, be careful how you treat strangers. Be careful about what you do with your money. And so here's the deal is that we often sometimes we get that confused and we get it backwards like we have to do all the things in the back of the letters first to experience the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of Christ that he talks about in the beginning of his letters. Are you with me? I'm, I'm telling you, he writes this way for a reason. Uh, and we're going to jump into it here in just a minute. The Apostle Paul I'm sorry, let me, let me finish, the, let me say this one more time. The truth is this, is that your spiritual progress, your spiritual growth, growth, the change that God is doing in you is a long, tedious, and difficult process. It just is. It takes a lot to overcome our, sinful, our sin nature. It just does. And we're never actually going to arrive at it in this life. True? True? Does that mean we give up? No, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but this week, here's what I wanted to, to talk about. The Apostle Paul, um, in one of his letters, writes just, just this beautiful description about like spiritual goals that he has. And it's just a, a, an incredible insight into the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're just really blessed by God to have it. We really, truly are. We're blessed by God that he's, he's determined to save this by the working of his Holy Spirit and by servants who, who, uh, who his, his servant Paul who, who wrote it and then other servants who copied it until some, by some miracle of God we have it in our hands today. Uh, but would you look with me in Philippians, please, chapter 3. We're going to be in uh, chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 7. What Paul's writing about here is he's kind of writing about what, he's, what his spiritual goals are toward the end of this. But he basically starts this by saying, I have no confidence in myself, but I have these goals that I'm attaining to. I have these goals that I'm, that I'm reaching and striving for. And he's going to talk about his spiritual goals, things that he would like to see in his life, like to see accomplished. So he starts in, in, in the first part of chapter 3, and he's saying, um, I was all these things, I've done all this stuff, I've got a lot of good reasons to put confidence in my flesh, uh, in myself as a person, he says. But in verse 7, he says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Okay, so what's he say? All those things that I would consider good religiously, he says they're like rubbish now to me. They're meaningless to me. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss. And now listen to what he says. Compared to what? Compared to the surpassing greatness of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might, what? Gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. All right, boys, just some incredible things that Paul talks about there, the things that he wants to see in his life. And, it, it, boy, it's just kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, he, he says, the one, the, going back in verse 8, he says, uh, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. Uh, and I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ, he says again in verse 8. So he wants to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. And so, and through that, to obtain the righteousness that comes from faith through Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 10 again, he says, I want to know Christ and some things specifically about knowing Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of sharing his sufferings and becoming like him is death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Those are some pretty lofty goals, right? Uh, right? My guess is when we, when we made our New Year's resolutions this year, they probably weren't this, you know, spiritual. They were probably stuff like what? Save money and lose weight, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, but the Apostle Paul uh, says he would like to know Christ and gain Christ and know Christ and the powers of resurrection and, and to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. But what I'm driving to is verse 12. The great Apostle Paul that sometimes we put up on a pedestal and we really shouldn't, but he was just a man who served a great God and was made great by a great God. Amen? Not he himself. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Let me stop you there for just a moment. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, I haven't attained the things that I wished I had attained. I haven't attained, I haven't laid hold of the things that I want to see. I haven't gained all of Christ that I want to gain. I haven't known all of him that I want to know. And I haven't understood the power or his power or sharing in his sufferings. I haven't gained it all yet. I, I'm not perfect. I'm not there, right? In the second part of verse 12, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want to read from, to you from a different version, from the uh, English Standard Version, writes this verse that way. Not that I've already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. Isn't that great language? If you read the King James Version, it's very similar to the English, English Standard Version. Um, and here's the deal. Here's the, here's the key to 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 our struggle. Here's the key to the struggle. This answers a lot of questions. It answers the why, and it answers the what, and it answers a lot of others. But but uh, uh, let me tell you, he presses on to take hold of it or to make it his own because Jesus Christ has made him his own. Are you with me? Look, look with me again. I'm sorry. Would you bring it back up? That English Standard Version translation. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. All right? Now, in that really simple statement, because Jesus Christ has made me his own, 
is kind of the secret to all these things that we're talking about here. The reasons why we struggle, the reasons that we want to continue to struggle and strive, the reasons why we don't have to struggle and strive, it's all found there in the last part of this verse, is that Jesus Christ has made me his own. So in the New International Version, it says, Christ Jesus took hold of me. Do you know that this morning? If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you have been taken hold of. You have, it is the language here is like Jesus Christ has reached out and apprehended you. He has reached out and he has chosen you. He's selected you and he says, this one will be my own. Is that mind-blowing to you? Did you know that you were chosen by God, selected by him? English Standard Version, Jesus Christ has made me his own. Paul would write, he says, um, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. We were purchased and chosen and selected by God. Every one of us who have been called to Christ, every one of us who have become a Christian, we were chosen and grasped hold of and attained by and owned by Jesus Christ. He says, this one is mine. And now we belong to him. Yeah? So this answers some questions for us. Let me explain. Um, All of my striving and all of my reaching and all of my focus on my own sanctification and my holiness and all those really good churchy words are not to... Uh, are, are not to try to belong to Christ, but because I already belong to Christ. Are you with me? Um, I, I'm not striving that I might be uh, liked or loved by him more because he's already demonstrated his love for me. It's already complete in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to earn his favor. His favor has already been shown to me completely and without measure through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Are you following me? I don't work to obtain God's favor. I already have it because Jesus Christ has made me his own. I don't work to earn God's love or to polish myself up or make me look better to God. He's already done that through the cross of Jesus Christ. All right? Now, Folks, listen, Christians have a hard time with this. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's a sinful nature thing that we want to earn our own salvation. I, I really don't understand it. Lord, uh, give us some, uh, some, some insight. But uh, we want to earn our own salvation. We want to earn our own way. We want to make our own way. But I'm telling you this morning, it was done for you. There is nothing left for you to do to earn the acceptance or the favor or the love of God. It is already done for you through the power and the eternal nature of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Are you with me? You cannot earn his favor. You already have it all. You cannot earn his love for you. You already have it all. You cannot earn his acceptance for you You already have it all. Not because you're such a great person, not because you're so likable, but because Jesus Christ took hold of you and made you his own. By his work and by his choosing, you are accepted by God.
You are loved by God. You are favored by God. You cannot earn it. You never could. If we could, there was no reason for Jesus Christ to die. Amen? The reason Christ died is that we weren't acceptable. We weren't lovable. But Jesus Christ, by making us his own, has made us accepted by God, loved by God, favored by God. There's nothing we could do to change it. Amen? All right. Did you hear me? I want to make sure you heard me. There's nothing that you and I can do to change that because it wasn't our doing in the first place. True? He did it all. Jesus Christ accomplished all of that for you and me. He made us acceptable. He made us lovable. He made us uh, where we receive God's favor. He took away all of our sin and all the struggle. All that is gone because all that was done through Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more that you and I need to do or have to do in that. But because Jesus Christ has taken hold of me, like the Apostle Paul said, I want to press on to take hold of that for which what Jesus Christ took hold of me. Do you understand the difference? There's all the difference in the world. Religions, and there are lots of them out there, says that you need to do certain things to earn God's favor. Christianity says your favor, his favor cannot be earned. It can only be received by the gift of Jesus Christ. We need to act like, we need to be very careful, Christian. You don't act like you have a religion. You ain't got one. Amen? It, to put it in the vernacular, you ain't got one. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ who has chosen you and taken hold of you and made you his own. All right? All right. It's unbelievable, isn't it? All my, so here we go. All my reaching, all my striving, all my attempts to, to become more sanctified is just this. I just want to look more like him. Amen? I just want to be more like him. I just, want to, I just want to be more holy like he is. I want to be more loving like he is because he's already done it. Let me tell you, um, many, most of you, many of you were parents here today. Do you want your children to obey you because you, they fear your, uh, your discipline? Do you want your children to obey you because they know they're going to get it if they don't? No, parents really want their children to obey them, and of, <laughs> some of the, so these guys are like, yeah, my dad, apparently, yeah, he, apparently, that was his whole motivation. <clears throat> now, we want our children to obey us because they love us and respect us. God is the same. We don't have to obey him. We don't have to uh, uh, worry about our sanctification. We don't have to strive and press on, but we want to because we want to look more like our master, our savior, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, and here we go. Um, the progress that I've made, you know, I could, I could tell you some progress I've made in overcoming sin. I could tell you some progress that, that Brendan and I have made in our finances. I could tell you some progress I've made as a, as a father, as a follower of Christ in a, in a disciplined um, inner life, uh, spiritual life. I could talk to you about all those things. But you know, in all of them, they're all imperfect. I'm not still a perfect follower. I'm still not a perfect dad. We're not perfect in how we handle our finances. We're not perfect in any of those things. But here's the deal. The thing that ought to give us all great joy and, and the endurance to hold on and to press on and to continue striving and pressing on is this, is that our imperfect progress has already been perfected. 
sorry, what did you say? Yeah, our imperfect progress has already been perfected. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is tough stuff. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, Because one sacrifice has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. All right. One of the more confusing verses in the scriptures, right? The one sacrifice is talking here about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect those who are being made holy. Okay, so in the same sentence we have, we have that we are being sanctified and that we are already perfected, right? We are being sanctified, which refers to we're still in process, right? We're not perfect yet, and yet in the end of the verse it says, those who are being made holy, right? Here's the great joy, the great endurance. Uh, we are becoming holy, but we're not fully holy yet. We're fully holy in the eyes of God. We've been made holy, but we're working still on our holiness. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, here's the great thing is that if you care enough to worry about your holiness, here's the good news. You are one of the ones who's been made holy, Right? Boy, I am all over the map today. I'm really sorry. Here's the deal. If you're making progress in your spiritual life, it is evidence that you have already obtained everything through Jesus Christ. Yeah? If you care enough about your spiritual walk, if you know and you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to be more like him, as imperfect as your work, as imperfect as your striving, as your pressing on is, as imperfect it is as it is, it is evidence that you've already been made holy and made perfect through Jesus Christ. Everybody all right with that? Yeah? This is kind of difficult stuff because it's, it's like this. I've heard someone explain it this way that's, just, that's very helpful. Positionally to God, we have been made perfect. Practically, we're still working on our perfection. Yeah? Right. But don't get the cart before the horse. We're not trying to be perfect so that we may earn God's favor, so that we may be accepted by him, so that we, he may love us more, so that we may somehow be, uh, be more glorious, more wonderful, that he'll love us more, anything like that. We are striving to press on. We are striving in our sanctification and our holiness and our perfection. We're striving in all those things because he's taken hold of us and he's done all this on our behalf. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Let me give you another illustration. I made three of them today because I know this is confusing stuff. The Bible pictures this again in, the, in, in language of dough and yeast. In the scriptures, a lot of times, um, we, are, we are seen as dough and yeast or leaven, right, is one of the uh, biblical terms for it. it. Leaven is seen as evil, right? We're dough, leaven is evil, uh, 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 yeast is evil. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been, has been sacrificed. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. Can I tell you really very simply what this means? Is that we are to become what we already are. Yeah. We are to become what we've already been decided and determined by God to be, right? And it's not the other way around. And this is the very difficult thing is that you cannot earn his favor. You cannot earn his acceptance. It's all been done for you. Now, what are we doing then? 
Why do we care about how we handle our finances? Why do I care about how I treat my wife? Why do I care about how I treat other people? Why do we care about any of those things? Because the scripture says that we're supposed to act like now what we are. You, don't, you no longer belong to sin. You now belong to God through what Jesus Christ has done. So now you don't act like a slave to sin anymore. You act like a slave to God. And you do his work and his bidding. Yeah. And it says here, yeah, very confusing. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. Isn't that fascinating? Just like the other passage, you act like you already are and you get rid of the yeast because you've been determined to be free of evil, to be holy before God, and now you get rid of the evil in your life. Yeah? Okay. Uh, here, here we go. We have been un- made unleavened in Christ. We've been made yeast-free in Christ, right? We've been made as though we had no leaven in us. So we should now become unleavened in practice. In other words, we should become what we already are. We should become what we already are. The basis for all this, of course, is the last part of the verse. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He has made us unleavened. He has taken away our evil. He has taken away our sin. He's taken away it all. And we want to now put into practice to to become unleavened uh, because we've been made perfect. All right. Let me bring up this next one on the slide here. The suffering of Christ secures our perfection so firmly that it is already now a reality. This is kind of mind-blowing. The suffering of Christ secures our perfection so firmly that it is already now a reality. Listen, folks, you are not going to get to the point in your life that becoming sinless is possible. I met a guy who told me once that he was sinless, but I think he was wrong. (laughs) He didn't look like Jesus. Anyway... The suffering, uh, the suffering of Christ secures our perfection so firmly that it is already now a reality. You have been made perfect. You have been made acceptable by God. You have been made lovable by him and all through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All by him, not by yourself. Yeah, not by yourself. Uh, therefore, we fight against our sin not to become perfect, but because we are not to earn God's, the love of God, but because we already have it. Yeah? We don't become made, we don't work and we don't strive and we don't press on. We don't work on our holiness to earn the love of God, but because we already have the love of God that he expressed through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah? Uh, and not to become more acceptable by God, but because we've already been accepted, accepted by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul said again, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right? Again, he does not say, I press on to take hold, uh, to, uh, press on so that I might become Christ's own, but he says, I press on to take hold of it because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Yeah? I press on because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And listen, folks, there's all the world of difference in those two. You cannot earn God's favor. You cannot earn uh, his love. You can't do it. It only happens through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's why we call this Christianity, right? 
It is all of our love, all of the acceptance of God, all of the love of God is all poured on us because of what Jesus Christ has done, and we can't change it. All we can do is revel in it and enjoy it. Amen? All we can do is I want to be more like him. I just want to be more like him. doesn't earn anything for me. doesn't buy me anything from God. I just want to be more like him. All right? So I want to ask you this week, you know, here's what I think. I think all of us are in the back of our minds feel like because this whole world works this way, we still have to earn God's favor. And so in some ways we do things because we feel like we have to do something or earn something to be acceptable by God. And I'm telling you this morning, that's religion in you and you need to drive it out. It's just not true. You cannot earn his favor. Your favor his favor has already been earned for you through Jesus Christ. You can't earn his acceptance. It's already been done through Jesus Christ. You can't earn his love. It's already been done through Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about pressing on. Next week, we're going to talk about, well, then what in the world am I supposed to be doing? But the, the thing I want to get across to you very first thing this week is this, is that you don't have to do these things to earn God's favor. It's already been done for you through Jesus Christ. Have I said that enough? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. This week, would you look, would you ask the Lord to seek out in you and to look for in you those things in your life that make you want to earn his favor, that make you want to seek out and, 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 uh, and press on and strive to see if you can earn God's acceptance or lo- his love? Would you ask him to reveal those things with you? Because I think it's in every one of us. I really do. I think it's in every one of us, that tendency or that nature. Uh, don't know why. Uh, but anyway, here's the deal. If you're relying on those things, you're forgetting what's been done for you through Jesus Christ. That's not acceptable. This has already been done for you. It's already been done through Jesus Christ. And instead of working, we should be praising him for it. Amen? We should be thanking him for it. We should be saying, oh, Lord, your work is so great through Jesus Christ that I don't have to do any of this just because of what you've done. All right, next week we're going to talk about why we strive and how we strive. And, uh, and we'll continue that on. So anyway, this week, would you please bow your heads? We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for us today. It's difficult because we don't, we don't see this kind of love or acceptance in any other relationship, in any other place uh, on this earth. Lord, every one of us have relationships that we could just blow up uh, because of, of our behavior or because of our words. This relationship that you've made with us is so very different, Father, that we, we feel like we have to earn it sometimes or we have to become more acceptable to you. Uh, but your scriptures declare that, no, it's already been done. Your love has been bought for us. Uh, our sins have been taken away, not because of what we did, not because we, we did more good things, but because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. We can't become more acceptable to you than we already are because you've already made us acceptable to God. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made us acceptable. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made us lovable. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have taken away all of our sin. We thank you, Lord, that, that uh, through Jesus Christ we have earned your favor. Or Jesus Christ has earned our favor. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. Lord, I pray this week as we think and we ponder on these things and uh, about how we're a people who have been taken hold of by God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand and help us to just say a word of thanks and a word of praise when we recognize and realize again all that you've done for us. 
We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. I mean, thank you for being here. Ladies, if you'd like to stay for the ladies' luncheon, it's going to be in the fellowship hall immediately afterwards. And uh, Lord bless you. Y'all have a great week.